Hey, yo, what's going on, everyone? This is Lex James. And this is your boy, Mikey Bravo, and you're listening to The Wrestling High. And on this show, we'll keep you up to date on all things WWE and AEW, whether it's good, bad, or just completely shit. We're also going to be hitting you with all the rumors and hot topics all throughout the world of pro wrestling. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at the underscore wrestling underscore high. Do it. Hello, how are you, and what up? This is Master Blaster Mikey Bravo. I'm next to Let's All Hold Hands, Lex James. We got some highs and some lows. We're going to talk about Vinnie Mac trying to make a comeback. And we got some other shit to talk about, so we're just going to get into it. Yeah, um, like I said last week, you know, we promised to talk about NXT Deadline. Um, you know, things happen where, you know, we have to put out an, an impromptu episode. And I hope you liked it. But we are still going to bring you NXT deadline. We're going to start off with that. And um, pretty much one of the big stories comes out of NXT. And we'll just talk about that right after this high and low. But we start off with the very first Iron Survivor Women's Challenge. And by the way, since this is a very first match, I got the rules right here. So it's five superstars. They'll compete in this unique 25-minute match as they battle each other and the clock. Starts with two. And every five minutes, a new superstar will enter the match until all five are in the ring. The goal is to have the most falls when the clock hits 25 minutes. A fall can be won by a pinfall, a submission, or a disqualification. And when one superstar scores a fall, they will each earn a point. However, when one superstar loses a fall, they will be put in a penalty box for 90 seconds. And then once those 90 seconds are up, they're able to re-enter the match and obviously the winner is whoever has the most points or most decisions by the time that 25-minute mark is I remember a lot of people giving the penalty box some shit. And you were one of them. You didn't like it at first. At first, I didn't like it. But Be- I told a lot of people, I'm like, it's, it's going to come into play in a smart way. And, and not so much with the women's match. but All right, so <laughs> this match, it's funny because... At first, I thought it was literally a championship scramble match with the penalty box. But that's why I gave it shit. I was wrong, though. What it really is, it took the championship scramble, like the concept with the 25 minutes and the five superstars. All right? Because what the championship scramble match was, was you had to have the last pinfall in that 25 minutes. But everybody started off in the ring at the same time, right? No, no, no. I think someone entered every five minutes. But you had to have, I believe, the last pinfall. Or the last decisions could have been a submission, yeah, you, whatever. Yeah, you have to have the last one when the time is up. Right, because that would make you the interim champion. Yeah. So there was a title on the line. Whoever had that last pinfall would be the interim champion. And if you were the interim champion when those 25 minutes were up, you were the winner of the match and the champion. As long as you had the last pinfall to occur. Right. This, and I think this is where the iron part, Iron Man match. Yeah, you have this to is, get the most falls. Right. And in 25 minutes. So I think that's they kind of combine the Iron Man match. With the championship scramble. Yeah. And that's why I was giving it shit, because I literally just thought it was a championship scramble match with the penalty box. But I was wrong. It actually keeps track of the decisions. You don't have to be the last one to get a decision. You just have to have the most when the time is up. Right. And it just so happens, I think it was a men's match that, yeah, the last pinfall winds up being the decision, but that was just to break a tie. So that was a different situation. Yeah. But, yeah, this woman's one. Um... 
starts off with Roxanne Perez and Zoe Stark. Um, Roxanne Perez was Roxy in Ring of Honor. She was there, uh, I believe, their first women's world champion. She is only 21 years old. She was trained by Booker T. Booker T is calling this match, so he's, like, heavily favoring her. Well, she was the best wrestler in this match. By far. A lot of these girls are so... They're all young, like Cora Jade and... Cora Jade and Roxanne Perez, I think they were a tag team, from what I gathered, earlier in the year. Yeah, and, they won the titles. Okay, and, and I think they're both 21 years old. Yeah, they're all young, and a lot of them are green, but Roxanne is, like, the most... She's the most seasoned. Ready, you know what I'm Absolutely. saying? She, she's the one. That time in Ring of Honor, it shows. Um, because everybody else in this match, like, if she wasn't involved in this match, it was just kind of hard to watch. Yeah, like, it was a botch fest. Zoe Stark, she, I, I believe, like, had... The second, like, highest ceiling in this match, but even she had a little ways to go, but she showed a few things with me. Like, she has a good look. I love her um, Her finisher. It's like that tilt-a-whirl, go-to-sleep. Who was the one that, uh, like, she kind of just fucking ran at the pole? Like, oh, Kiana James. gave it a hug and looked like the pole just said, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Kiana James. She was the first person to enter the match after um, Zoe Stark and Roxanne Perez started it. She came in after the first five minutes. And Kiana James, I'm sorry, but... Maybe this is my first time seeing her. This was not a good showing for she her. She was probably the greenest. She just looked awkward out there. Like the moves were just not crisp. You could just see through everything that she was doing. Like the timing was just so off and it just looked bad. And Roxanne Perez really did the heavy lifting of this nice entire match. A lot of nice in this match too. But Roxanne Perez pretty much did the heavy lifting. She took the first pinfall um, from Zoe Stark. Like I said, that Tilted World Go to Sleep looked beautiful I, I don't know if it looks like that all the time maybe Roxanne Perez just sold the shit out of it and made it look great but it, it looked awesome but again there were times where Zoe Stark was you know not too far from how Kiana James looked uh the fourth one to enter was Cora Jade and I was kind of disappointed with her showing too there was a couple things that, that there, there was an instance in there where she's trying to get Kiana James, once again, Kiana James, she's trying to get Kiana James into like a double underhook, but she forgets to underhook one of Kiana James' arms. So James' arms is just out there struggling with nothing holding her until Cora Jade realizes she has to underhook it. That's weird because Jade's not usually that bad. I, yeah, I don't know. Or it, Cora, whatever you want to call her. Cora Jade, yeah, I don't know. It was just kind of an off night. The fifth and last was uh, Indy Hartwell. And yeah, again, just a couple spots in here where she just, I, I don't know, maybe a lot of these had Kiana James in it. I don't want to keep shit piling on her, but I don't know if she was just having a bad night because she took a couple offensive moves from Indy Hartwell that just looked like pure shit. And this was right before, <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know how else to say it, but this was right before like the spot you said where she, get, she gets ran into the fucking post where it looks like she just charges into the post and hugs it. And gets rejected. Term of the day. Pure shit. I'm sorry. It, it just... She had a bad night. No, nah, you're right, though. She, she looked like shit out there. Like She landed a really nice Spanish fly on Zoe Stark at the very end of the match. But it, it wasn't enough to save her bad performance. You yeah, know? she tried to give the, the ring post a hug. And it was like, get the fuck out of here. Like, I don't want to yeah, hug you. it looked bad. But Roxanne Perez, like, she... You know, she showed some wizardry in here. Yeah, she was. She had to win this match. She was the only one that deserved to win this, this fucking was match. She not... carried it. She got a couple pinfalls. You know, she got them in like real crafty ways. As time was running down, Cora Jade hit her with a DDT, and Roxanne Perez rolls out of the ring before Cora Jade can make the pin. And time ran out, 
and Roxanne Perez had the lead and won the match. Definitely deserved to win. Booker T was beside himself. I think he was even... He, he was, like, shedding up. tears and shit. But this this was the match. Like, this is a new concept, and people were already shitting on it before it even happened. This wasn't the match to have as the first one because people were like, you see, I told you. Oh, I mean, it's like we said, at least four of these girls were super green. Or at least they looked it in this match. Roxanne Perez was literally the only one that deserved to win this match. The right woman went over, you know, and she, look, she's fucking cute. She can go in the ring. She has a nice look. Like, she has top baby face written all over her. She has a very nice look. She has top baby face written all over her. Yeah, she does. So I'm not surprised that they're, you know, kind of, I don't want to say hot-shotting. I don't know how long she's... I don't think she's been in NXT that long. Nah, she, she definitely signed this year. Yeah, it, it was definitely but like maybe But she'll be on the, the main roster within a year. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, they could always go with her for a while, and we'll explain why. Um, but as far as that match goes, um, I uh, give Roxanne Perez a high. The rest of the yeah, match, it gets I'm, a low. I'm going to go mid because of what you said. That's what that rating is there for. You can't. You don't have to just give one person a high. You can just say mid. Yeah. I give it a mid because I'm a fan of hers. Like, she's cute and she can wrestle, and you know that that's the perfect combination. Women in wrestling, two things I love. I agree. And the match itself was like, ah man, if you could, if she could get in the ring with five girls better than these ones, then man, they can do that match so much better. Yeah. So I'm going to give it a mid. I don't want to be too hard on it. Yeah, I, I felt like that match wasn't, like, the best match to judge this new stipulation. Yeah, that's what I was saying. This is the, not the one you want to say, like, oh, because then people are going to say, see, this, I told you this is why I was shitting on it, because look at it. Right, but being that you're having a men's and a woman's one, you got to start off with the women's. So, yeah. You know. Um, yeah, not off to a great start. I, I still give it a low. Roxanne Perez was great. Look forward to seeing what she can do. But the rest of the match, the other four, just left a lot to be desired. I'm sorry. Um, speaking of leaving a lot to be desired, the next match left even less. Um, Alpha Fire and Isla Dawn. <laughs> I didn't even pay attention to this. So, I'm, I'm... so here's the thing. This match itself was actually pretty solid. The work from both of these two. Alba Fire was Kaylee Ray in um, NXT UK and in NXT before they just randomly changed her name to Alba Fire, which is, it's got to be one of the worst names that they've come up with in a while. Um, Fire with a Y, too, by the way. But this chick, Isla Dawn... Um, I like her look. They both work pretty stiff. I was digging the match until the very fucking end when Alba Fire has the match won and the referee out of nowhere just starts puking up black goo, the same black goo that Randy Orton was puking up when he was feuding with Alexa Bliss and The Fiend. And it was just fucking silly right when Alba Fire's about to get her pinfall and it's just... I checked the fuck out. Obviously, yeah, Isla I, Dawn I got the win. I didn't even pay attention... To even get to that part. Yeah, well, I did. And I wish I would have done what you did. I don't, I don't mean to sound like a dick when I say that. Because I do like women's wrestling. I just said it. But it's when it's not two women that I give a fuck about, it's like, do your thing. I'm going to take a piss. Well, I mean... Make a fucking sandwich real quick. Like you said, I, I probably wish I would have done what you did. Um, because that the ending to this was just fucking silly. And I guess that's where we're going gonna to go with Isla Dawn. It's, it's a low for me. Yeah, same here. Low for me. Um, Isla Dawn got the win. And it's it's a shame because she has a nice look. Again, I like, you know, what I was seeing. And then, you know, the fucking... The supernatural happened. And, and to me, it's, it's even more silly 
on NXT than it is in on the main roster because it's just it's clearly coming from the same place and performance <laughs> center. <laughs> nah, you're right. Hey, come on. Come on, Sean. What are you doing? This looks like a fucking talent show sometimes. <laughs> talent show. Just come on with this shit. Next. I don't know. Um, yeah, so, so far, not off to a great start. And then Pretty Deadly versus fucking The New Day. in The New Day. See... This match I was looking forward to, and so was everybody else, because the New Day, they're the stars of this show. They're yeah. the most well-known two people in that fucking building and, and that honestly, night. honestly, the match itself wasn't bad. It's just that, that twerk contest. Yeah, I don't remember anything from the match, because all <clears throat> I remember is Kofi Kingston twerking with, I, I don't know if it was Kit Wilson or Elton Prince, I don't know which one is which. But, goddammit, a, a twerking contest took fucking place in the middle of a wrestling ring, and it was cheered. Yeah, the, the match, I remember the match. There was some solid spots, because I remember even you said, like, yo, Pretty Deadly sells like a motherfucker. Like, they know how to sell. They I'm glad you remember that. And they're fucking hilarious because for all the stupid shit they do. But fucking it's like, two grown men seriously looking at each other and shaking their asses. Yeah, Kofi even got in the ground. I can't get with that. That's like, we can do without this. And you then, might as well have fucking... Effie jerking off in the ring. Yeah. <laughs> it, doesn't, it reminded me like I was watching a fucking Young Bucks match where they kiss each other in the fucking cheek and they kiss Adam Cole and it's just... And then soon enough, they're going to be rubbing each other's balls. It's just... <laughs> fuck. Can we wrestle? Like, like... And I know that's kind of a pause moment saying that, but you know what the fuck I mean. <laughs> I know what you mean, though. Like, <sighs> all of the goofy shit is like... Can you just not do stuff like that? Oh, it didn't stop because all four of them turned into Eddie Guerrero because they all tried the Eddie Guerrero move. Well, here, I'm going to throw you the weapon and act like I got hit with it. And then they all fucking took turns tossing the titles around until the referee got wise to it after all four of them are on the fucking ground. And everybody's going crazy and thinks it's like the greatest fucking thing they've ever seen. And yeah, this is all I remember. This is all I remember is just this stupid shit. I guess it's not twerking. See, I remember some of the spots and some of the moves they did, so I give it a mid. This gets a fucking low. And you know what? It doesn't even bother me that the New Day wins. No. It doesn't bother me. They had a a good match. You got to go back and watch it and try not to fucking just try to ignore the Go fast forward to the twerking shit. But they had a solid match as far as wrestling goes, but... I get that that whole And that's the thing, like, I know that's possible with these two guys, or these two teams, you know? Like, I, I, I guess I'm asking too much, where I just want to see that. Yeah, just... Said I gotta tune in to that shit on a Saturday night. Just... Yeah, I think next time I'm going to the bar. Instead <laughs> of watching two grown men fucking twerk in a wrestling ring. I, I, I could have just dealt with that the next morning. And fast forward through it, you know, so... <laughs> But yeah, the bar. But yeah, like again, like the New Day winning the titles didn't even bother me. I kind of expected it. That's another reason why I give it a mid because the New Day winning the NXT titles makes them they've won all three now. The Triple Crown Tag Team so, Champions, and apparently and Booker T was being a little salty towards the New Day because they Kofi broke his Kings, record. I think Kofi broke his yeah, record. Kofi as far broke because Book I think was eleven, and now Kofi I think is. Well, Booker, I think, was 13, some shit like that. Yeah, I think like I think Booker had like 12 or 13, and yeah. then Kofi has one more than him now, as far as like tag team championship And now whoever beats like 
them for those titles instantly moves up a notch in NXT because you just beat the New Day. Right. And I would think maybe it goes back to Pretty Deadly and maybe we get an actual match without a fucking dance contest in the yeah, middle. Yeah, without that bullshit and, you know, tossing the belt back and forth. Yeah, because I saw online people were like, oh, you know, giving the tag titles the New Day. and It's no different than Dolph Ziggler winning the NXT title. Yeah. You're beating somebody year. for the NXT title that's bigger than anybody who's in NXT right now. So I don't have a problem with, you know, the New Day winning. Yeah, I have a problem with them I'll fucking twerking. I'll give this twerking. one a mid. S- stupid shit. Mid Mikey I, I, Bravo. I got out what? like fucking food stamps today. I'm, getting, I'm more harsh than you right now. <laughs> That's three straight fucking lows for me. It's, I don't know. So and and the thing is, the in-ring action isn't even that terrible. It's just for different reasons. It kind of was shit. in the first match. The second match, the in-ring action was solid until the the stupid campy shit. The third match, I just remember twerking in Eddie Guerrero cosplay. So, finally, we get something fucking good, and it's actually better than good. It was actually pretty damn great. The men's Iron Survivor match challenge, whatever the fuck, for a future NXT title shot. And obviously, the women's one was for a future NXT women's title shot, if I didn't make that obvious. But this is between... Axiom, J.D. McDonough, Carmelo Hayes, Grayson Waller, and Joey Gacy. The guys in this match can fucking go. Yeah, see, all right. The minute, and this is my first time seeing, like like I said, I, I think I've said this a couple times, and, you know, throughout different episodes over the last year, but I checked out from NXT when Rick Steiner got fucking kidnapped. <laughs> and then one of the guys that kidnapped him gets legit released weeks into the fucking storyline. So I really haven't paid much attention. I think that was like right after WrestleMania. So this is like the most attention I've paid to NXT in a while. So Axiom, I had to go back and check out who he really was under the mask because I remember him. He wasn't really masked before and he was a kid from NXT UK. And I remember him only because of WWE 2K22. Axiom's dope. He actually happens to be in the... All right, so at first, the fucking... Uh, what's this effects that we see coming out with, with the, the with his entrance? The entrance is supposed to be like a glitch in the Matrix, some shit like that. But <laughs> it, it's fucking freaky. Like that shit fucks your eyes up. You can't look at. I can't look at it for too long. I thought it was pretty stupid, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just not feeling what the fuck I'm watching on NXT. I'm not about to start watching too much NXT. But actually, watch AEW. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> Teach your own. Um, I don't know. This is something funny about AEW that it, something's always going to crack me up on there. I'm either going to find something I like or I'm going to fucking find something that's hilarious that's not supposed to be. But with NXT, so this match, you start off with JD McDonough and Axiom. And right off the bat, yeah, you're right. I was proven wrong. Axiom is fucking awesome. He lands his moves like perfectly. He, he, he legit He's feels dope. like a fucking a character plucked right out of the comic books. Um, Some of the shit he does is like, what, what the fuck? Yeah, and J.D. McDonough, who was Jordan Devlin before they changed his name for whatever. I guess J.D. stands for Jordan Devlin. I, I guess they can... Yeah. yeah. That's how they go. He's good. But for, for a while, for the longest time, I thought he was legit Finn Balor's younger brother. He's not. Finn Balor actually trained him, though. He could be his younger brother, though. He, he, they do look alike. They do. So that's why I kind of... Because I remember hearing something that Finn Balor had a younger brother that was in NXT, I guess. That's I, how you bring him up to the main roster, the Judgment Day. I, I, it's something I wouldn't mind seeing. And this is like one of my first times really seeing him. And I know he had a match with Braun Breaker, but I didn't watch it just because I didn't expect Braun Breaker to really lose it. 
but this is my first time seeing Axiom and JD McDonough, and I was pretty blown away by both of them. A lot of like fucking nonstop action, but still selling. You know what I mean? Um, who is it that joins him first? I think it's Carmelo Hayes, right? Yeah, that dude's a star. Carmelo Hayes, honestly, is probably main roster ready right now. Yeah, I think if if he doesn't win the NXT title at some point, I think he'll be on the main roster soon. Yeah, he he seems like he's just he's just got it. Like he gets it, and I'm, probably helps that you know he's like Shawn Michaels' pet project. Yeah, it doesn't hurt learning from Shawn Michaels. Right, right. if he's that, if, you know, if he's as hands on as it seems, uh, it shows. You know, uh, Carmelo Hayes is just a natural, and he's just gotten better over time. He gets the first pin when he, um, I think he, I think it's JD McDonough. He takes him for like a vertical suplex and turns it into like a cutter. And it's over, it's on top of Axiom. And then he gets the pinfall on Axiom. So Carmelo Hayes gets the first pinfall. Axiom has to go to the penalty box. So the cool thing about this match with the penalty box was actually used. It wasn't really used in the women's one. Yeah, they, did they use it to they fucking throw somebody against it or they're inside of it They fighting. fought inside of it. You know, like when Grayson Waller comes in, he's the fourth guy out. And Grayson Waller immediately... He goes in and hits the rolling stunner in one fucking hand, and in the other hand, I think it was supposed it was, to be two it, it rolling stunners. To be, but he turned it into a bulldog. Still look good. He just fucking got tricky with it, you know? Still look good. Scored two quick pinfalls. Right on, what was it, on McDonough and then... Um, I think it was McDonough Axiom. and Axiom. Right. So they both go into the penalty box, and right, I think, when Axiom is about to get out, McDonough is the one that pulls him in, and they start fighting, but Axiom starts whooping him. Yeah. Isn't that when he, like, ran him into the fucking case face first? Yeah, and his face slides down, and they got, like, <laughs> the, the perfect camera shot. That was a good shot. But, yeah, they actually utilized the penalty box in this match, and, and I, I kind of dug it. But Grayson Waller, right out the fucking gate, two pinfalls in a matter of six seconds. This is another guy. He's a star, bro. Yeah, and what I loved about it, too, um, at, at one point, I think he slammed Carmelo Hayes on the announce table, and then he... Jaw Jack and the Booker T and called him a bitch. I, I think we're going to get Grayson Waller and Booker T. I'd take that. Book is still in shape to wrestle. He still wrestles. He, yeah, for, he does it for his own promotion or whatever he has on the side. Yeah, the reality of wrestling. I want to see that. Grayson Waller and Booker T. Well, not to get off topic, but real quick, um, that Vengeance Day pay-per-view, isn't that going to be the first NXT show in like another like yeah, arena? Yeah, I think it's going to be Charlotte. It's going to be like a basketball arena. Right. Big one, so Booker T can be the headliner of that, and people are going to go see him. Maybe you have Grayson Waller and Booker T in that. Maybe. That would be sick. That would be pretty cool. You know, it would be a nice way to put Grayson Waller over, but definitely planting something there because Booker T, you know, while he was on commentary, he goes, to, he goes to the, what the hell's his name, Vic Joseph, I think. He's like, tell me he didn't just say that. I hope they make it so that Waller keeps going at Booker T and Booker T brushes it off until he can't no more. Right. Perfect. I, I think we can. They, they could definitely play up to that. This led up to Grayson Waller getting in the ring, and I think he eats a pinfall from Axiom. So I remember Axiom does get a, a get. Yeah, get a Axiom pinfall. hits him with some moves real quick. Right, and then that is when JD McDonough he tries to do his finisher, which is that like that back suplex where he like yanks yeah, you in a position. That, that's my character in one of the two K games for one of my finishes. I've that's never seen dope. that. He turns that into a Canadian destroyer, and JD McDonough is out on his feet, and then he does that running super kick that looks like something out of fucking Mortal Kombat. It's like 
Daniel Bryan's flying knee and the super kick mixed in one move. Yeah. And he blasted JD McDonough in the face. And I believe Axiom got his second pinfall right there. I think we rewound that like a few times. Yeah. That fucking kick was crazy. It looked amazing. And JD McDonough sold the shit out of it. It like I, I just couldn't believe how great that looked because it looked like it came out of a video game. It didn't even make yeah, sense. Yeah, it was cool. The fucking Canadian Destroyer he hit was dope. Yeah. I us- we usually don't care for that move, but when it's done with shit like that, like, he was trying to do that yank suplex, and he just said, nah, fuck that. Flip. As smooth and as fluid as he did it, as quick as he did it, it yeah. looked incredible, and it looked devastating, too. And the one spot I really loved in here, and Joey Gacy comes out as the fifth guy, and... Joe Gacy, I, I don't remember him. He surprised the shit out of you. He did, because the last time I saw him, he wasn't. I don't remember him doing this shit. Because I, I I feel like I did see him and Braun Breaker, you know, have that match. Yeah. I caught that somewhere. He, I don't remember him doing shit like that. I don't remember him looking like that. And he's doing these, like, handspring fucking clotheslines. And he picked up a big, he picked up a big yeah, fall immediately, too. Knocking people out and all types of shit. Yeah, and... To me, you know, you know they're gonna put him with Bray Wyatt whenever they decide to put him in the main roster. I, I, I feel like it would be, it would be too easy. They would have to do that. Yeah, they have to. It makes too much. He kind of reminds me, like even his style, not just like his promo style and his look, but even the way he wrestles. He came out went right to business. You know, yeah, he he really impressed me too. But the one spot in here that I really loved was when JD McDonough, you know, he had his breakout moment, and he's the only guy in this match that didn't record a pinfall. He didn't get a point. But I love the one part where you have Axiom on the, on the ring apron and he yanks him down by his arm and hits him with that back suplex onto yeah, the concrete was... on the ground, which looked fucking gnarly. <laughs> and he gets in the ring and he starts hitting everybody with that back suplex too. He caught Grayson Waller mid-rolling stunner. He was trying to hit him with the rolling stunner and he hit him yeah, that with, move is with dope. that back suplex. He hit Carmelo Hayes with it when he was trying his finisher. I think he was getting a pinfall on Grayson Waller, and the other three stopped him at the same time. They all stopped the same pin. So it was like, J.D. McDonough, I don't know. Like, I kind of saw that little exchange, and, like, I kind of saw... They're trying to feed him that baby face thunder. Right, like that underdog baby face that, you know, it took literally everybody in the match to stop him from getting a sure pinfall. And even Booker T said that on commentary. Like, he said, like, that was a sure pin. So it's like, oh, okay, they could be building him up as, like, an underdog babyface. You know, kind of like a Daniel Bryan. But, yeah, the end of the match comes when um, I think Carmelo Hayes, Axiom, I think all of them are tied at two except for J.D. McDonough because he doesn't have any. And I think Carmelo Hayes hits his, like, big, like, scissor kick from the top rope, that big leg drop across the back from the top rope. He hits that on Axiom with time running out. He's about to get the pin, and Grayson Waller, he yanks him off of uh, Axiom, hits him with a right hand, and he steals the pinfall. And then as time runs out, he's running away from all from we everybody. We were ready to shit on this, too. I was ready to shit on this part when I saw Grayson Waller being chased around because I figured all you need to do is pin somebody. You don't have to pin Grayson yeah, Waller. Then you realize Axiom got to go to the penalty box. Right, and J.D. McDonough was actually yanked out of the ring by Grayson Waller when he was out you know, on his way out yeah, of the ring. and Gacy's still outside the ring, too, so... What was funny about this is that Grayson Waller runs behind Booker T and uses his chair, and in doing so, because Carmelo Hayes fucking chases him, and Booker T seems to fall off of his chair, he but... Threw on the, floor. the damn camera cuts before we can see it, but he 
definitely fell off of that chair. Yeah, you see him, you see like the first half of him fall and then the camera goes away. Uh, I wish the camera could have been on Booker T for just like one more second. We gotta see that. But Grayson Waller, Grayson Waller Waller wins the match, becomes the men's Iron Survivor, the number one contender. I'm really excited to see Grayson Waller go for the NXT title. I'm surprised it's taken this long because I feel like he's been their best heel, him and Carmelo Hayes at least. But I feel like he even more so than Carmelo Hayes because he really gets you to fucking not like him. Yeah, he has that. Grayson Waller is going to be good. You know, like I feel like Carmelo Hayes will make a really good face one day. Not saying Waller won't, but Waller's going to be a heel. No matter what. Yeah. You know, uh, so Grayson Waller, the number one contender for the NXT title. And this leads to the main event, Braun Breaker defending the NXT title against Apollo Crews. And you know what? After watching this match a couple times, I I didn't really care for it the first time. Second time around watching the, you know, the video package that, you know, documents the whole history between them. And you know what? Considering how nauseating it was to see Rick Steiner get kidnapped inside the performance center and it just turned me off completely about nxt for a while like it, it, seeing how they tried to go the route where you know apollo cruz and braun breaker like they're just like friends but like it's you know just a competition between the two of them like who's the better at, of the two yeah the whole fishing trip and all of that shit it could have been acted a whole lot worse yeah i will say that so i appreciate the effort i appreciate like a. Uh, a storyline that people can actually like relate to. It actually resonates with people. So this is a lot better than Apollo Cruz with a fake Wakanda accent. Oh, it's a hundred times better than anything's better than that. You know, <laughs> just when we wanted to see some personality out of Apollo Cruz, as soon as he showed us, we wanted him to fucking put it right back where he <laughs> found it. But this, like I said, the whole fishing trip thing, and they're you know fishing and talking shit to each other. In a competitive way, but, you know, still talking shit to each other or having, you know, breakfast at a diner. It was like, like I said, I've seen, I've seen way worse acting. Yeah. On a wrestling show. Yeah, way worse than that. I, so I couldn't even be mad at it. So that all, that in of itself, just watching that, just because I didn't see any of this when it happened. That was like, all right, this match can be all right. And Apollo Crews, the thing is with Apollo Crews, and I mentioned it even in the video package, how he was saying how he left NXT too soon. Like, yes, he did. He should have been in NXT for a long time because he did not have near, he didn't really have any charisma when they, when they just, he was, I don't know. Nah, he did. He was hot shotted to the main roster. If he, if he spent a year in NXT, I'd be surprised. You know, like, I don't think there was ever a doubt as far as like an in-ring talent. He should have been NXT champion before he ever left. Right. At least try, because you, you need to build in developmental your charisma up. He came to the main roster and was just like, okay, this is just... He's yeah. impressive, but... Right, but he's boring. You know, like... Once I, he starts talking. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. And I, when he does talk, he's an uh, intercontinental champion. <laughs> So I feel like NXT is a good spot for him right now. I don't know if, you know, this is a one-off. I I don't know how long he's been in NXT. I don't know if it was just for this feud. So forgive me for not knowing this. But uh, the match itself, Braun Breaker does come out last like the champion should. They get the championship, you know, introductions. And they start off slow, feeling each other out. Um, But they start basically going, you know, matching, you know, power for power, speed for speed. Because you don't really think about it. And the way they built this is that they are very similar as far as, like... Yeah, they're very, like, 
they match each other as far as like their attributes. Even. Like, yeah, as far as strength goes, speed, athleticism. Um, you know, and it, it actually made sense. So you know, it, it kind of made sense to pair these two together and being that Apollo Cruz. You know, the way they were building him up, saying like, you know, he's. He's competed at WrestleMania before and has won a match at WrestleMania. He's a former Intercontinental and United States champion. So it's like, all right, you know, meaning that Braun Breaker wins this match, it's going to mean something. He's beating somebody. Yeah, he got his work cut out for him. He got somebody who's, you know, done some shit. Right. Um, And, yeah, you know, this match is good. Apollo Crews actually steals his military press slam and gets a nice near fall on Braun Breaker. Uh, There's a part in this match where... I don't know where they were trying to go with this, but, like, Apollo Crews tried tapping into another, like, to another level or whatever. Like, he just tried to, like, psych himself out. Like, he he started making these really weird facial expressions, and then the camera started really zooming in on him. Like, he was about to snap and really just start going off, and then he starts, like, you know, getting the better of Braun Breaker, but it didn't last long, and it just looked silly because his eyes are all wide and shit but it doesn't he doesn't look intimidating he doesn't look scary it just looks Mr. goofy Jackass. yeah he just looks like an idiot because again it's just some people have it some people don't and apollo cruz i don't know he just when it comes to the charisma that department is you can just, be good in the ring all you want if you can't talk and have a character you ain't gonna make shit it's just not much of a personality there yeah as far as what we've seen so it just kind of came off hokey. Like I said, this match, it was uh, it was hard fought. I don't even think we gave the men's Iron Survivor Challenge a rating. But you're I right. But it goes unspoken, it's a high. Yeah, you're right. It is very it's, much a high. I'll even give it a double high. Yeah, that, that just popped in my head. I'm like, fuck, we didn't rate that one. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was pretty much obvious. But you're right. I'm glad you uh, holding me accountable there. But back to Apollo Crews and Braun Breaker. Um... I'll give that one a high, too. I'll give this a high. Um, Braun Breaker hits a, a nice, like, I don't know if it was a clothesline or a bulldog from the top rope, but either way, it looked really nice. And uh, the match comes to an end when Apollo Crews, I think he was going to go for, he's going to go for some sort of, like, one-arm slam or whatever, and Braun Breaker just kind of, like, jumped out of it. Apollo Crews turns around into a spear, and Braun Breaker gets the one, two, three. And uh, the match went about 15 minutes. Good babyface matchup, you know, decent story told. I'll, all right, like, there was nothing necessarily wrong with this match other than the fact that I, I never really thought Apollo Crews was going to win this match anyway. So for that, I give it a mid. The match didn't blow me away. It was what I thought it would be. Like I said, I, I never really bought into the fact of Apollo Crews winning the NXT title. They're not going to start giving a shit about him now when his opponent is the guy they actually give a shit about. Not to be harsh, but yeah, Braun Breaker is gonna another guy that's gonna be a star. Exactly. So I give it a mid. Altogether, deadline. It was. Uh, I didn't hate it. I mean, three lows, a mid, and a double high. Well, how many matches were on here? I think five. The two Iron Survivor yeah. challenges. So since it's the, the, the other ladies match, the um, the tag match, and Braun Breaker the main event so since it's out of five matches i'm gonna rate it out of five i'll, I'll give it a two and a half because the men's eye and survivor i think that's yeah i think that's solid oh i i could do that too two and a half out of five you know five five. the men's eye and survivor the brown breaker and the pretty quickly a new day was good but that extra bullshit is what threw me off and roxanne perez maybe i would have been all right with it if 
the woman's survivor challenge wasn't a complete fucking mess at times when yeah. Roxanne Perez wasn't involved or if we didn't just see that stupid shit, the ref throwing up black gook. You know, like, on top of that, I got to see two guys twerk in the middle of the fucking ring. So at that point, I was just like, why am I watching this shit? Yeah. That's why I give it a two and a half. Again, the Men's Iron Survivor Challenge really saved the entire show. That was complete entertainment. That was great nonstop action. And it makes me want to see all five of those guys, a lot more of all five of them. I want to see more of Axiom, as cringy as his entrance was to me and as kind of cheesy as that was. That fucking kick. Yeah, that kick was devastating. J.D. McDonough, I'm really intrigued by him because, like I said, I think a great a great way to bring him up to the main roster would be to add a new member to Judgment Day and have him be like the understudy of Finn Balor. You already got something there. Yeah, you know? definitely. I, I like that. I actually would like that. And, um, yeah, Joe Gacy, I want to see more of him. I definitely want to see more of him. And, yeah, Carmelo Hayes, I wonder where they go with him. I wouldn't mind this kind of turning into, like, a triple threat if they, you know – Give us Carmelo Hayes, Grayson Waller, and Braun Breaker because I feel like those three right there are your top are, are the are the brightest stars in NXT. I feel like those three are you know at, at yeah, the moment. Yeah, I, I don't want them to take away from Grayson Waller's win in his first match though. Let him and Braun Breaker do their thing, and then if we get a triple threat after that, then fine. If Braun doesn't win, right? I don't know if Waller beats him. Yeah, I don't know. I I, feel, I would like to see Grayson Waller and Braun Breaker actually have like a long-term feud and not just be like a one match and Braun Breaker wins and it's on to the next opponent. I would actually like to see that, you know, I, I would like to see that be like a top feud. That's what I'm saying. Like Waller is the best heel they got. Let 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 Braun win this one and then the next match somehow turns into a triple threat and you throw Carmelo Hayes in there. Yeah, because to me, it's like Carmelo Hayes going back to the North American title. Just He's already beneath that. He won it twice. He's What does he need it again for? Exactly. You know, so speaking of NXT, following um, NXT deadline, the first episode of NXT, we actually got Roxanne Perez challenging Mandy Rose for the NXT Women's uh, Championship. And Roxanne Perez actually wins the NXT Women's Championship, ending Mandy Rose's 413-day reign as champion. And this was this caught everybody by surprise. Um, I don't think anybody expected this match to happen so soon. Because, I, I, you know, obviously Grayson Waller and Braun Breaker didn't happen that night either. Yeah, this, I thought this was going to be a slow build. We find out the next morning... That the reason why uh, Mandy Rose dropped the title so suddenly and why Roxanne Perez is the new champion is because Mandy Rose had been released from WWE. And it was uh, Sean Ross Sapp from Fightful Select who tweeted out, um, Fightful Select has learned that Mandy Rose has been released by WWE. And it was due to uh, WWE officials feeling that they were put in a tough position based on the content she was posting on her fan time page. Fan time, I guess, is similar to OnlyFans. Yeah, she was she was bugging out on there, bro. And they felt it they felt like it was outside of the parameters of her WWE deal. So Yeah, she was rating fans wiener picks and shit too. Well <laughs> that's news to me. Nah, like she was like you would pay her and send her a picture of your cock and she would tell you what she thought. <laughs> <laughs> 
You didn't hear that? No, the fuck I didn't. Nah, the, the, there's like there's fucking weird guys out there that do shit like that. But she was doing that, like she was rating fucking dick pics. Uh, oh and... shit! You just took my entire argument away from me. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't read that. I did not know that. You would think that would be something. Oh, well, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe it's something you don't want to call attention to any more than it already has. That I did not know. Because at first I was going to say, like, and I think that some of the content from her page was actually illegally leaked. That's how it made its way out. And I believe that WWE knew about the um, the, the page. I just didn't think they knew, like, how, you know, I don't, I don't know if raunchy is the right word to use. But I, I don't think they knew to the, to the extent that she was doing it. I'm sure they knew there were, like, racy photos, but, again, there's photos in there of her and her fiancé. There's yeah, photos in there this, of her uh, rubbing one out. Yeah, she's flicking the bean in one of the videos she got on there. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard flicking the bean in forever. That's an oldie but she goodie. Got, like, she's in the pool talking with her fucking tits out. She's uh in the shower with, like, her boyfriend, whoever this fucking guy is. I think he used to be in NXT. The lucky guy. Tito Sabatelli. He used to be in NXT. Was he? Yeah. Was he a fucking... Did he mop the floors? I mean, he might as well. I don't know. Well, he's mopping her. <laughs> lucky guy. Yeah, can't hate on him that fucking much. Um, oh, there's a video of her showing on dildos. All types of shit, bro. Wow. Like, which is why, like... I think, like, shit, the shit we've seen in the Attitude Era, you had girls in Playboy, but she's going to a whole nother level. Yeah, and the thing is, like, dude, they got deals with Mattel. Yeah, like little girls see you on TV wrestling and they're like, oh, that's Mandy Rose. And then I heard fathers are seeing you on OnlyFans. I heard something that Shawn Michaels, upon hearing this, had the whole show changed. And basically it was centered around her dropping the You title. know it's bad when Shawn Michaels thinks it's too raunchy. Yeah, man. Like what kind of fucking world are we living in Imagine right now? Imagine 90s Michaels hearing this. You want to make a video? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what? Well, Sonny would have been kicked to the curb. That's what I'm sure. apparently I think one of the biggest deals about this is that she was making 250k a month off of it. Right. And I think to me that's my biggest issue with this is that not that she was making more off of her fan time page. The fact that she had to even have that page... To make that money. Because, like, what is she making? Like, all right, granted, I'm I'm pretty sure, I'm positive that NXT wrestlers aren't making nearly what main roster wrestlers are making. And I get that. But at the same time, Mandy Rose is, like, one of the top faces of NXT. And I think this is not just Mandy Rose. I think the women in general. Isn't Becky Lynch or is it Charlotte Flair? They're, like, the two top paid female wrestlers on the roster, right? Well, I'm looking here, and it says Becky Lynch's salary is $3 million. Oh, really? So I guess Becky makes money because she's Becky Lynch. But you got to wonder, what, what do the girls in NXT make? Yeah, Mandy Rose's salary is apparently $500,000 a year. Really? Yeah, I guess, unless Google is wrong. So... How much money is she fucking making? She's worth $5 million, the girl. Like, her whole net worth. Because she's making money off of showing the fucking bosoms. Flicking the bane. What else? Uh, getting fucking some of Tio's Sabatelli. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she was making some good money off of it. And it's like... I see, what, I see why they... 
re- kind of released you because... Well, I didn't know she was rating dicks. <laughs> yeah, so, she was rating dicks. Yeah. Bro. That's a whole new low. Like, you don't, she don't need to be doing that. Yeah, like... He, could you imagine? No, what, don't even go what, there. Twelve. So oh, I a picture you dick to Trish Stratus. <laughs> what do you think? I thought you were gonna <laughs> ask me. Could you imagine the dicks that she saw? <laughs> <laughs> Wrestling fans, I'm sure she saw some short, cheesy ones. <laughs> All balls. <laughs> yeah, she put uh, herself in a fucking bind there. Here, send me your nasty meats. Yeah, I wasn't aware of that part. But, um, yeah, you kind of, like, ruined my whole fucking argument. <laughs> yeah, bro, she she was rating fucking cockpits. <laughs> she was grating the sausage. Wow. Uh, I, they, uh, that I wasn't aware of. So, yeah, I guess she kind of did, uh, had it coming. Here I was getting ready to defend her, and uh, I can't defend rating dicks. Not at all. Especially when you're the like the top attraction in. You're the champion. You know what I'm saying? Uh, here, I'm the NXT Women's Champ, and send me your fucking meat, and I'll tell you what I think. Oh. <laughs> oh, I'm nauseous now. Oh yeah, she went overboard there. Yeah, it's hard to bring her back for that one. Especially if they actually did know, like, they knew that you had this page and they... Apparently, she knew that she could get in trouble because, like, like you said, the deal with Mattel, bro, they make toys of you for kids. You're on the internet naked, which grown men like but us that's the thing. Complain, but... It's one thing if you're on the internet and you're nude because, like, who the fuck isn't anymore? Like, really? Yeah. There's girls on Instagram but pretty much naked. It's it's one thing that, you know, like, yeah, there's a picture of you and your tits or whatever... But it's a completely different thing when, yeah, it's, you're basically, it's like softcore porn. Yeah. And yeah, softcore or not, WWE can't have that. They they can't have that, especially you're wearing the NXT women's title. So, yeah. And then you throw the fucking dick rating on top of that. And yeah, it's hard to defend that. (laughs) I can't defend dick rating. Again, it's it's not a phobia or anything like that. It's just like in her position, I can't defend. Like, what yeah, the fuck but are you what doing? What are you rating wrestling fans' dicks for? Any dicks? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna go throw up for a little bit after thinking and talking about this shit. Mandy's meter. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> when we get back, we're gonna talk about. Um, couple of the matches that we wanted to give some high and lows to that uh, definitely deserve our attention. And uh, talk about Vince McMahon, who's back in the fucking news, too. And uh, also a little bit of SmackDown. Try to forget about what the fuck we just talked about for a second. And uh, we'll be right back to talk about something else. So uh, stick with us. To back up into the ring in just a moment or two for more exciting fucking action. All right, after that debacle, we're back and we got some uh, more highs and lows for you. And we're going to start with the dog collar match. Yes, um, ROH Final Battle 2022. FTR, the Briscoes, double dog collar match. 
This is the third and final match of the Briscoes and FTRs, you know, trilogy. And I got to say, like, if if this rivalry wasn't, you know, a rivalry of the year before this match, it sure as hell was after this. It's just a fucking shame that these guys got to put these bangers on in front of the same hundred virgins every fucking time they do it. Yeah, they like, need to be on a worldwide platform, FTR and the Briscoes. The fact that these matches are, like, hardly getting built, really, unless you follow them on Twitter or you have, you know, YouTube or whatever. Like, that's really the only way, at least... It's whack. It's the only way you see the Briscoes. I remember when this was on, I was like, yo, that Ring of Honor pay-per-view is on now. It's, like, four in the afternoon. And I was reading something, apparently one of the reasons why we don't see, you know, the Briscoes in AEW, and I think it's because of a, a homophobic tweet that he made Yeah, something they said years, years ago. ago, and that TNT doesn't want that on TV. And, and to me, it's just kind of stupid that we're holding that against him, you know what I mean? Yeah. Nothing against gays at all, but it's just, like, come on. I, I don't know. Um, that whole cancel shit is kind of whack. Yeah, um... But, yeah, the fact that, you know, these matches, you know, they're so great and hardly anybody are even seeing them. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's not fair. I don't want to sound like that WWE guy, but if these guys were doing this shit at SummerSlam, imagine this fucking dog collar match at a WrestleMania. I you mean, know what I mean? You probably wouldn't see something like this in a WWE You might not see the blood. Ring. No. Well, maybe you will. Special occasion. But I'm saying, them having these bangers in front of the same crowd every time is like, it's kind of whack for them. Yeah, they deserve better. All four of these guys. And it's kind of also kind of whack that this rivalry didn't have. You know how much better it would have been if they had a weekly TV show to do shit on. Yeah, no shit. You know what I mean? Rather like, than just rely on Twitter and seeing YouTube. seeing the Briscoes get one over on the FTR one week, then next week FTR gets revenge or yeah, it would have just made more sense because we got you know I, I you know I, you and I just caught up on all three of these matches. And they're three of the best. Yeah, they're they're three of the best matches we've seen all year. Yeah, it's fucking nuts. It's nuts that it takes that much effort to find us. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, this match wasn't even made official until like the week of. Not on top of that, Mike. This pay per view was in the afternoon, Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I I texted you. I'm like, good. That Ring of Honor pay per view is on. You're like, oh, it's four. I'm like, yeah, I, I didn't know that either. And then I'm seeing the highlights on the AEW website or, or Instagram of this match. And I'm like, yeah, we, we have to fucking see this match. Yeah, it, it's funny because, again, this match wasn't announced until, like, days before. This, like, to, to me, it's like the only fucking pay-per-view buys you must have gotten was because of this match. Yeah. Like, what? what? You, it you really too mean, long to get a TV deal. You really mean to tell me people wanted to see Jericho and Claudio? In the main event. This wasn't even a main event. Nah, this was way better than Jericho and Claudio. Yeah, um, this match was completely insane. And it's, again, you know, FTR, anybody that's, you know, seen these matches that were able to, FTR won the first two. The first match is arguably the best one. Um, FTR won the Ring of Honor title uh, tag titles in the first match against the Briscoes. The second match was a two out of three falls match that FTR won after Dax Harwood hit... Jay Briscoe with a pile driver from the second rope. And then this was the third match. That second match was in the summer. Um, I believe that was, um, I think the first one was Supercard of Honor. And the second one was um, Death Before Dishonor. This was Final Battle, if you're keeping up. But yeah, this match is incredible. You had Cash Wheeler chained 
to Mark Briscoe and Dax Harwood chained to Jay Briscoe. And, you know, these two, these two teams at this point, this is, I mean, they bled in all the other matches, but this is a blood feud. So these guys, you know, they've had the technical masterpieces. They've had the, you know, the classic tag matches. Now this is just balls of the wall. This is a blood feud. This match was fucking nuts, bro. This resembled a fight between four guys that can't stand each other. You know, um, they're fighting all in the crowd. They're bleeding pretty soon into the match because they're using the chain as a weapon throughout the entire match. And every one of these, like, whether it's somebody wrapping the chain around their fist and, you know, hitting them in the face with it or whatever. Or their head. <laughs> every, yeah, or, rat, or you know, just swinging the chain at their, at the, at their opponent's stomach. Every one of these, you fucking feel them. You know, like, these guys put themselves through hell in this match. All four of these guys. You know, you get, a, you get a lot of cool spots. You know, the one big spot for a huge near fall was um, FTR actually delivered a, a doomsday device to Mark Briscoe with the help of a chain. And that got a big near fall. Um, later on in the match, you see, um, I think the, the, the one part where... Dax Harwood is trying to, uh, he's attempting to wrap the chain around his head, but he can't because he to has too much. To go for the diving head, but. Yeah, but he can't because his head is too bloody and it just keeps falling off. So he just keeps it on his head as he jumps and headbutts, I believe it was Jay Briscoe with the fucking chain wrapped around his head. And then soon after this, he once again, he wraps the, uh, the chain around his hand and he's punching Jay Briscoe. He goes to punch Briscoe again, and Jay gets the referee in his way, and the referee gets fucking clocked right in the face with the with, with the punch. He gets split open too, and he's bleeding. <laughs> and, and one thing I got to mention about this match too: the commentary was awesome. It, it, it's such a breath of fresh air not hearing Excalibur, yeah, it is. and hearing his stupid fucking hokey voice and calling every move by its Japanese or Mexican his name. Match. Yeah. He would have called every move by its Mexican name and Japanese name and this and that and to the top. All this shit. We would have heard that eight times. These guys, um, Ian Riccoboni and uh, I can't remember the other guy's name, something Caprice. Forgive me for not uh, remembering. But these guys, like, they were just great. Like, they didn't, they, they didn't distract you from what was going on. They even put on the somber voices when the referee started leaking. Because that referee was, you know, like... The yeah, he, he was he caught split. One. He caught one, and uh, it looked good. And what I liked about that, too, they had two referees in this match the whole time. So as soon as that happened to that referee, the second one, who was on the outside, officiating from the outside, he came in and just filled right in. Yeah. Again, the officiating wasn't buried in this match like we see in AEW literally every fucking match. And the ref wasn't trying to fucking steal the thunder. Right. He was being a referee. Um, so, again, like little things like that, when you're so used to watching shit like that, you know, just be ignored... You know, you, you watch a match like this and literally everything, everyone involved in this match, whether it's the, the four, you know, wrestlers or the, or the two referees, everyone is doing their part. And it flows perfectly. Like, this is what professional wrestling is supposed to look like. Yeah. You know, and we see dangerous spots in here, man. The one fucking spot where you see, um, I think it's Mark Briscoe is on the apron. And there's a pile of chairs on one side and there's a table on another and we're all expecting him to be getting you know yanked off the apron onto the table by cash wheeler instead he makes a left turn and he gets yanked Doesn't onto he the get yanked off the top rope no i think it's off the apron was gets, it was it yeah he gets yanked off the apron onto the pile of chairs and i remember you and i watching this for the first time and we both 
let out a fucking huge yell because we thought he's landing on a table and then he goes over and i'm like where the fuck is this guy going yeah i thought he was gonna kill him and to me i think it was the spot of the match it was it was was the roughest bump of the match yeah Mark Briscoe ate every single one of those that chairs. That Jay drill is a fucking hell of a move. Right back inside, Mark uh, Jay Briscoe hits Dax Harwood for uh, with a Jay driller for a big two count, and then that's when you know the finish starts to kind of happen. Um, I think Cash Wheeler gets knocked off the apron, and Dax is on the top rope. He's kind of crotched onto the top rope, and there's a pile of chairs in the ring too. And Jay Briscoe superplexes Dax Harwood onto yeah, the pile of chairs. Cash puts the chairs in and tells him fucking kill him. Right. That's right. He did say, hey, let's fucking murder them or something yeah, like some that. Yeah, some shit like that. So he put the chairs in originally, but then his partner ended up taking a superplex. Yes. And Dax took the superplex onto the pile of chairs. And then soon after that, Jay Briscoe wrapped the chain around Dax Harwood's face and mouth. That wasn't even like a cross face. It was just like a, I got the chain in your mouth and I'm going to yank it back. That's basically what he did. And he did that. And I believe at the time, Cash Wheeler was being held back by Mark Briscoe. He was, he couldn't interrupt. Storytelling. Yeah. And. That close to helping his, you know, boy out. But the dude who got thrown in the chairs is just doing what he can to hold him back. Right. And Dax doesn't even tap out. He passes out, and the referee stops it. We have new Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. For what, the 11th time? I think it was, it might be more 10th? than that. I think yeah. it was 12 or 13. Wow. Just pretty nuts. But, I mean, I think clearly the Briscoes are Ring of Honor's greatest tag team. The Briscoes and Ring of had, them boys, bro. Ring of Honor's had great tag teams over the years. You know, the Kings of Wrestling, they've had the American Wolves. For what it's worth, they've had the Young Bucks. Yeah, you and I don't really care for them, but some people do. Um, but I feel like the, the Briscoes are hands down the greatest tag team to come out of Ring of Honor. Yeah, and uh, they, this match right here just solidified that. Like man. I like, said, they've been them boys. This match was amazing. This is right off the bat top five match. It's just no bullshit, balls to the wall, real, and they know how to wrestle. They know what they're doing. Nothing looked phony in this match at all. Uh, nothing. You know, and, and all four of them left it out there. And the only thing that kind of bothered me at the end, you had the gun club come out and attack FTR while they were down. And this led to the Briscoes come out, chase them off. And to me, it's like, why, why are we even involving anyone else into this? If this was a way to get the four of them to fucking shake hands and hug or whatever and share the ring one more time after three amazing matches... You could have just had that happen without the gun club getting involved. Yeah. Completely unnecessary. They just, why? There there aren't enough people watching this match as it is. You think this angle that you're trying to run after this match means a damn thing? Who's going to see this? Yeah, you have no TV. I mean, they got a show now, but still, it's like... It's on Honor Club TV, I think it's called, or something yeah, like that. you get on a channel. And this guy comes on a media scrum talking about how he got all this money he couldn't get on a channel. I don't know. Fucking quick. Either way, as far as the match goes, obviously a high. Without question. Yeah, yeah, double high. Like I said, um This is this is top three matches of the year for me. Yeah. It's it's hard to argue this match was incredible. I mean, really all three of the FTR Briscoe matches were were amazing. Just great storytelling, classic tag team matches. And then, you know, you have one that, you know, the third and final match, they just go balls to the wall, and it's pretty much a fucking brawl. It's a bloodbath. 
But it's it, to me, it was way better than the MJF CM Punk dog collar match. Granted, it's four guys rather than you know the two of them. But I don't know the MJ the the MJF CM Punk dog collar match. I don't I won't I don't know if it was disappointing, but I don't think it. I think they did a little too much in the match, like the whole thumbtack shit. Yeah, that that I, it was know unnecessary. Just, I know exactly what you're talking about. They they did a, they did a little too much in that match where I don't think it was you're just doing it just to do it. You know, uh this dog collar match, nothing like that. <laughs> this was fucking amazing. If you can find this match, I, I I would say this is a match worth going out of your way to see if you can find. I, I don't I, I'm sure you would agree. Yeah. We found it, but then it fucking disappeared. Yeah, it's funny. I think as soon as we finished watching, um, like a day later, that link was gone. I think it was already taken off. So I'm I'm glad we saw it when we did. Otherwise, we wouldn't even be able to talk about it right now. But just in time, you know, because it did happen the same day as NXT deadline, just in the middle of the day. And most people wouldn't know that because, like you said, you texted me. I didn't know that. But that, that, that's the beautiful thing about fucking pecans because you could just get shit on there, you know. Yeah, and and you know, obviously, not everybody can be that right away. Let alone fifty years from now. Um, but yeah, it, it does make it a lot easier to access. But on to um, MJF's first world title defense. I definitely wanted to talk about this on uh, Winter is Coming. Uh, Winter is Coming. I remember last year we actually reviewed the entire show. Well, we're just going to review the only match that matters because. Um, Chris Jericho, I guess, put over some new, like, I guess what would be perceived as enhancement talent, Action Andretti. Whatever. He's always going to be a fucking jobber. I don't know. I, I guess he's trying to, you know, have a one, two, three kid moment like what Razor yeah, did for the X-Pac. This guy's not a star. I don't know. Um, And then also we had, I don't know, the fifth fucking match of the Elite and Death Triangle series. Who cares? It's the same match seven times over. I, I honestly don't give a shit, but I already know where to go with it because Death Triangle's up three to one. So, you Whatever. know, since coming back from a 3-1 deficit has been the cool thing to do in sports these days, you know, that's uh, that's what they call storytelling, so. Yeah. Anyway. Doesn't have the same feel when it's scripted. Or it's just not even original. It's kind of whack. But anyway... The one match I did want to talk about, MJF putting his uh, AEW World Championship on the line, and apparently the Dynamite Diamond Ring. It was a winner-take-all match because I believe Ricky Stark also uh, Ricky Starks also won that battle royal that would have won him the Diamond Ring. And since MJF has won every single Diamond Ring, he is like I guess the keeper of the Diamond Ring now. So I guess they're making that a thing on top of the eighteen championships. Anyway. They do have too many championships on that fucking show. They do. But as far as this match goes, like as far well before I get into the match, Ricky Starks himself. Um, I feel like his promo, like I think you saw the promo um the week before, how he kinda got at MJF and everybody was kinda raving about it. And it wasn't a bad promo at all. It was a good promo. I don't think the way everybody was on his dick about it, I don't think that was really warranted. Yeah, people hop on AEW wrestlers' dick for anything. It's just, it's more so their fan base if you take a look at it. I don't know. Like, I just feel like what MJF said, calling him Dollar Store Dwayne and the Pebble, saying that he's just basically a knockoff rock. I feel like that was way better than him calling him Maxi Pad. I, I, I mean, that and 
you know, just kind of coming at him for wearing the scarf and the ugly shoes and all this. And he's like, and you're trying to come at moi? I'm like, you, you lost me at moi. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, what's whatever, the, that's just, yeah. But he did hit a nice spear at the end of the whole promo. And, you know, gave him a little you, bit of hope. I'm going to give this match a mid, bro. It was okay. MJF was involved, but it, that didn't really stand out to me. Not the way the main event of SmackDown did. Yeah, but, I mean, with MJF, we don't see him wrestle that often. So you kind of, you know, kind of take advantage of him while you see him. Well, Ricky Starks, I don't know. There's There's something there with him. I, I can I can tolerate him a lot more than others that they shove down our throat, like Daniel Garcia, like Wheeler Yuta, like Orange Cassidy. Um, I don't know. I just feel like he's in the wrong hands. There is something there with Ricky Starks, and I don't mind him being, you know, given a little push and given an opportunity like this, considering they, you know, shove other guys that are way less charismatic than Ricky Starks down our throat. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I just obviously it was never in question that MJF was going to win the match, and I like how he won the match. Every time, it, it did kind of scare me. Every time Ricky Starks tried hitting him with his Rochambeau, he couldn't quite get him up for that, you know, double underhook, you know, kind of. Yeah, that's edge. that's why I give it this a mid kind of because he almost dumped MJF on his head twice. They tried the bridge and MJF couldn't get up. It, it wasn't what I had the standards that I have for an MJF match at this point. It didn't really meet them for me now nah, i hear you and uh i i do like how the match ended though because he finally was able to get him up for almost a rochambeau but he got out of that and then he hid behind the ref mjf that is he hit him with a fucking potato punt <laughs> <laughs> i like that he shoved the ref into um he got behind the ref and when ricky starks gets the ref out of the way like mike said potato punt kicked him right in the boys <clears throat> Kick to the dick to Ricky Starks. Referee turns around. MJF puts him in a school in a, in a roll up. Gets the one two three. MJF retains the title. So I'm alright with him retaining the title like that. Obviously he's gonna you know win in the heel way. Yeah, that's another reason to get some mid for me. It just some of the spots and shit didn't add up for an MJF match for me. I hear you. The potato punt was the best part for me. Kicking that fucking because. You sent me a video the other day. I watched this guy get punked by Ryback and kicked in the dick by MJF in the same week. You don't remember him? No. And then Ryback said I didn't. I remember seeing that a while ago. Like, I, I, I really thought, like, I, I guess when I was watching that segment, I thought he was just some fucking WWE worker. What did Ryback slap potato salad into his ear yeah, or some he, shit? He, like, he, he didn't even say anything to him. He was like, you say something to me. And then he fucking smacked him with food, and he was like, you want some of that? And then he put him through the table. And he picked him up like a child and threw him through the table. That's probably the only good thing Ryback has ever done. It's my favorite Ryback moment. But, yeah, um, I, 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 I want to give this a high, but you're right. I, I got to give this a mid, too. I got to give this a mid. Um, post-match, MJF is walking out, and he's met by Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan. Brian Danielson. I wish he was still Daniel Bryan. Soon enough, hopefully. He's met by Brian Danielson at the uh, at the entranceway, and then Danielson chases him, chases him, you know, around the ring, and then MJF attempts to jump over the barricade, but doesn't, but he just goes around the barricade and into the crowd. Brian could have easily grabbed him, but he didn't. He just decides to not, you know, to stop chasing him. You must not want to get revenge for Regal that bad. So, I don't know. 
I am, however, intrigued at the fact that we are eventually going to get MJF and Brian Danielson. I'm going to assume that's going to be AEW Revolutions. However, that is in March. We've been waiting for that for a while. So that is a long ways away. I hope they don't just burn right through it. And that's like the second or third time we see it is at the pay-per-view. I hate when they do shit like that. Um, so I really hope that there's another challenger in between then. You know, because I want that... AEW Revolution match, well, I'm assuming it's going to be the you know the main event. I want that to be first time ever, MJF, Brian Danielson. Yeah, don't don't waste that on TV. But you know AEW likes wasting fucking good matches on TV. So I fully, I fully expect to see that match at least once before it. I would expect it to happen on pay-per-view. Because again, like I said, we're in December. March is a little bit away. Yeah, I'm just in full Royal Rumble mode right now. I hear you. But, uh, yeah, that was MJF's first world title defense, successfully defending it and, you know, setting up the match between him and Danielson somewhere down the line. On to SmackDown, and probably the best TV match of the week, Gunther putting putting the Intercontinental title on the line against Ricochet. This is the... The the, Flickster. (laughs) I like that he's getting more showcase time now. Because he has that Rey Mysterio thing to him. And Ricochet can fucking go, bro. Yeah, I mean, what's nice also, not just that we're seeing Ricochet, but he's actually getting fucking wins. Yeah, because even, even though he didn't... I mean, he got three straight wins to get this one, right? He didn't win this, obviously, but he does still have the cup, which is nice. You know, you win a tournament, you get a cup, and you get a title shot. Him and Gunther got, what, I would say 20 minutes. They got, I would say, two commercial breaks during this match, which kind of sucked. But great action, man. I mean, Ricochet took an ass-kicking in this match. Some of the chops he was taking, um, I believe it was the one part near the end of the match where he kind of hit him with a half-assed super kick, but then delivered a, a really nice super kick to make up for it. And then it looked like he was going to attempt to go for a drop kick to Gunther. And in midair, he just gets swatted down. All you just see is a fucking, fucking hand and arm. in this match, man. It just stay, you can feel him through the TV. Yeah. And then following that, Ricochet gets powerbombed into oblivion, which should have been the end of the match. He winds up kicking out. Yeah, and it's, I, I'm with you on that. I don't like that. It's starting to bother me that... This power bomb is starting to get kicked out of, especially last week it was Kofi Kingston. This week it's Ricochet. I mean, these guys, that power bomb doesn't put down these two guys? Yeah, or the clothesline. I hate, I wish the clothesline was Gunther's real finish. It's just a fucking clothesline from hell. Yeah, the clothesline he finished Sheamus off with. It fits his character. You know, and he caught he caught Ricochet with one of those close lines earlier in this match. But um, Ricochet gets out of that. He kicks out of the powerbomb. Big near fall. Ricochet's staggering. He slaps Gunther across the face and then drops to a knee. And then Gunther slaps the shit out of him right back. And then he lifts him up and hits him with his, his new finisher called the Last Symphony, which is basically like a, like a flipping power slam. I don't know how else to, call, how else to really describe it. Yeah, I'd rather it. him use the clothesline. I like the clothesline. I like the power bomb. The last symphony is a nice move, maybe as a setup move, but I, I don't, I don't think it yeah, delivers I, quite I the punch. Yeah, I think the rules should be reversed, you know, as a finisher. But Gunther gets the win, 
And yeah, like I said, this match went 21 minutes, and Ricochet really impressed too, man. Everything he does, just like he's good, just he's like really you were. Good. I think you were saying about Axiom how Axiom is like you know completely in control of his body. Like Ricochet is the definition of that. Yeah, Ricochet can hit any move he wants as perfect as it needs to be executed. Like the uh, the shooting star press that he got the near fall on Gunther on, like he hit that to perfection. I feel like beautiful. You know how you you ever did like the bottle flip that they do with the water where you flip it and then but it flips weird. Yeah, that's how he does his shooting star. Like he goes up in the air and then just like kind of fucking glides perfectly. Yeah, it's it's crazy, and I think that they're teasing him because last week with Escobar, he tried to hit him with the Frankenstein off the top. Ricochet landed on his feet. Gunther tried to hit him with a German suplex. From the top. Ricochet landed on his feet. I want to see that spot where he flips out the ring onto the ramp on the main roster. That crowd's going to go nuts for that shit. I, I mean, I'm with you on as far as the fa- on, on the fact that we're seeing more Ricochet. You know, we're seeing him showcase more. Because, I mean, geez, man. This guy has been putting on some of the best matches on TV lately. And I feel like that's a direct result of Triple H being, you know, in charge. Because, you know, he's a Triple H you got, guy. Yeah, a lot of these guys are Triple H guys. He dealt with them personally. But I feel like Ricochet them. is a fucking no-brainer. Yeah. It don't matter if he's a Triple H guy, man. Like, how do you not? Yeah, he's... Like, he's, how many times have you tried, have, you know, finding the new Rey Mysterio and you with found the next him, Rey? You got him now. Like, do you even notice? Like, did Vince even notice that shit? I don't... I don't I, it makes you wonder, right? Because it's like, you got your Rey Mysterio here now. What are you doing with him? Yeah, it just... And, and this one doesn't need a mask. No, no, yeah, but uh, yeah, great match, Gunther and uh, and, and yeah, Ricochet. Yeah, I did it high. This was dope. I believe this was the third time they even had a match this year because you you know you remember Didn't he win the title over Ricochet. Yeah, he did back in June, and then they had the rematch, and Gunther won that too. So yeah, definitely that that gets you a high as well. Axiom, Ricochet, and Axiom would be a fucking sick tag team. They probably would if Axiom came up to the main roster. Probably would. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Team. Wouldn't mind seeing that. But, so, but I, I want to stay on the topic of SmackDown while we're there. Um, I definitely want to touch on this whole Bray Wyatt, L.A. Knight thing. Um, we get... So obviously Bray Wyatt or L.A. Knight has been getting attacked backstage by what everybody assumes is Bray Wyatt or, you know, we haven't seen it happen, but we've seen, the you know, the aftermath. He's, you know, buried under a bunch of furniture and all sorts of shit. Two weeks straight, and you see in the background one of the Bray Wyatt masks or the Uncle Howdy mask. L.A. Knight is such a great promo. L.A. Knight, I got to say this because I'm kind of getting, I'm, I'm getting a little antsy and a little impatient as far as this whole thing is going because anything that's involved with Bray Wyatt, I'm just kind of like, can we see him wrestle? It's been over two months. Can we see him wrestle? That's all, all, all I want to see some fucking squash matches. I was going to say, I'm not going to shit on it because I'm still interested to see where it goes. But I would like... I, he should have been squashing people for like at least a month already. Yeah. I mean, LA Knight right now is the main reason I am intrigued by this because this was the big harp on Bray Wyatt. It's always the same old campy shit. Yeah. LA Knight comes out and he comes out and cuts a promo and... Like I said, he's the best part of this whole thing going because when he talks on the mic, I want to hear what he has to say. He has my attention. He he is a fucking promo. Right. He is a walking promo. And he's, you know, out there saying, like, how Bray Wyatt keeps denying that he's behind these attacks. 
and L.A. Knight knows it's bullshit or whatever. He doesn't say that, but, you know, that's basically, you know, the gist of what he's saying. And he's like, every time you, I come out and accuse you, he's saying, oh, no, my brother, it's my boy, Howdy. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, L.A. Knight is just, he's so entertaining. He is. You I, know? I hope you're right on that money in the bank shit you read. Yeah, I hope I am too. But uh, with L.A. Knight, he's so entertaining. You know, he, he makes this worth watching. He calls out Bray Wyatt, basically, after, you know, five yeahs that kind of felt like... Ric Flair-ish. Yes, it felt very Ric Flair-ish. When you said that, I was like, holy shit, that, that, yeah. Because, you know, he called out Bray Wyatt and he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the thing is, like, I'm picturing him, I'm picturing Ric Flair going, woo! (laughs) But just like, almost like losing it in, in, in the middle of it, you know what I mean? So Bray Wyatt comes out. And, you know, he's talking while he comes down, and I can't remember exactly what he said. He said something about, you know, I'm going to get in this ring or whatever, and you got to make a decision or he something. He told me he gave him a chance, and now he wants him to, like, you know, prove something to him or, or some shit. And before Bray Wyatt can get in the ring, L.A. Knight just attacks him, and he, you know, he brings him into the corner and starts stomping him out, stomping him out. And then... A graphic on the on the big screen comes up, and it's a video of Uncle Howdy. And all of a sudden, some, you know, mysterious music plays, and Uncle Howdy himself emerges from the entranceway. And he stands at the entranceway, and he tips his hat, and he grabs his jacket, and then you hear him laughing throughout the loudspeakers, which is clearly, he's not even mic'd up laughing. This is clearly, like, pre- recorded laughing over the loudspeakers and la Knight is watching this as bray wyatt is in the corner watching la Knight, and la Knight is like having to sell that he's scared shitless of all this and he leaves the ring and that's the segment uncle howdy just stands at the fucking entranceway it is bo dallas i guess i i would hope it's bo dallas for this to be somewhat interesting my whole thing is just what the fuck is this I'm not going to shit on it, but I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm t- I, I got to shit on this a little bit. I got to shit on it a little bit. I'm sorry. I, what the fuck is this? He's uh, standing at the fucking top of the entranceway, holding his jacket with both of his hands, and he's just like a caricature. Like, he's... It, it's silly. It's silly. It, it was cool. You know, and how they had it with the promo videos and all that. It was mysterious. What the fuck was this? <laughs> I I kind of would have rather got the fiend back. I don't even know what to think, but man. I'm not gonna shit on it a hundred percent because I I want to see the payoff. I I'm gonna see this out, but all I'm saying is I'm I'm getting really fucking impatient because this is starting to look like the same old shit. And honestly, like I I don't know, like from what i remember hearing reading uh like you know some shit online i think it was a couple weeks ago how there was like a new match you know a new stipulation match that was pitched and it might have to do with bray wyatt and la knight at the royal rumble and they were calling it a pitch black match whatever the fuck that means i don't want anything to do with that are they gonna fight in the dark and just i, I don't i you know what i wouldn't put it past them and i don't want to see that nobody would see it Even if you watched it. Can't we just have a a fucking match? 
this whole pitch black match that you know that has been rumored to to happen at the Royal Rumble between LA Knight and Bray Wyatt. I I wonder if it's just something creative to where you get to see different personalities in the match since it's going to be at some point pitch black. I'm sure it won't be a match where it's all it's black the whole time, but it's going to be a match where like something happens and then I don't know. I, I don't even know where to go with this. But <laughs> I hope something fucking happens. No, nah, something God happens, and, and then it gets pitch black for nothing, a duration of time. Nothing's fucking happening right and now. And once it's pitch black for that duration of time, the crowd's not going to be able to see, and then, boom, here comes another Bray Wyatt personality. I, I bet you it's something like that. Yes, I, I don't know. I just want to see a fucking match. Can we just see a one-on-one fucking match or something? Something! Not this fucking Uncle Howdy shit. I hope it's Bo Dallas, damn it, because this looked fucking silly. It didn't even look scary. It just looked hokey. It, Tell it me was, I'm wrong. No, it looked yeah, stupid. It, it was good at first with the, the promos backstage and shit, but like the mask and the get up in person looks kind of like something from a circus. Yeah, it looks stupid. He tipped his hat. <laughs> like it's the fucking Monopoly man. Like what the fuck is this? I, I I'm gonna. Give I want to like. I want to like this. I can't. I can't I like see this. where it goes. But I'm with you. Like I'm. What the fuck is this? This is wrestling, not like a horror movie. Yeah. I get it. This isn't even scary. But I I'd much rather him just be Swamp Guy Bray Wyatt or the Fiend. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I gone are the days of, of of the fucking like the original Bray Wyatt. That that's that's the Bray Wyatt I missed. Yeah, if he came back as the original cult leader Bray Wyatt, I'd take that. This is kind of like getting a little out of hand. Like I'm wondering where we're going with it. Yeah, I, I just I don't know. Uh, and yeah, L.A. Knight is again. He's the only one really keeping me intrigued in this because the guy can cut a promo on anyone about anything. Like he, the guy, he, he's one of the best they got. In the I life. hope you're right about that. Money in the bank shit because he's he's a guy that can hold that briefcase and make you forget what they've done for the past couple of years with it. I I just want to see L.A. Knight featured prominently and at, at the very least I'm happy that this angle whatever the fuck this is called it's getting him uh, showtime. I, I, I yeah yeah I'm trying to really I'm really trying hard to look at the positives about this but it's starting to annoy me because damn it. I, I just want to see, can, can, can you just prove to me that Bray Wyatt can wrestle a fucking match? All right, we're going on three months here. Did he came back three months ago? Early October. We're, in January, we make three months. Wow. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> He's come back to cut the same damn promo every night. Billy <laughs> Knight said it. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. <laughs> exactly. L.A. Knight's pointing out the worst part of this whole fucking angle in his promos. <laughs> what did he say? It's my boy Howdy. <laughs> fucking ridiculous, man. Boy Howdy. But yes, what I really wanted to talk about as far as SmackDown goes, um, it was announced earlier in the week that John Cena is coming back on the December 30th uh, edition of SmackDown, the very last SmackDown of the, of the year. And I... You know they had a big bloodline segment at the end of the at the end of the show, and this was supposed to be, I guess, like the coronation of Sami Zayn becoming 
a full a full blown ooze. I don't know if he was going to get his Sammy Uso name or they were going to strip the honorary part and make him a full blown ooze. And Roman even says that that's what you know they were going to do, but he says that we have a problem. We have a KO problem. As Kevin Owens keeps sticking his nose into your business, we need to take care of this. So Roman Reigns went to Adam Pearce and he made a match for the December 30th edition of SmackDown. Kevin Owens and a mystery partner, a partner of his choosing, versus Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn. That's going to be a big SmackDown to watch because there's no pay-per-view until the Rumble. Exactly. So that SmackDown is going to be like, hey, here's a pay-per-view worthy TV show. Right. And Sami Zayn, he gets on the mic and he tells Roman, he's like, you know, I'm with you. We need to get rid of, uh, you know, get, we need to get rid of Kevin Owens because I'm like the only friend that he has. And when he says that, all their faces are like, hmm? what do you mean by that? <laughs> And then he says, well, well, I misspoke. He's the only friend that he, that I, he, I'm the only friend that he had. Like, you know, obviously he misspoke or whatever. But he's, you know, he says he's with Roman Reigns as far as teaching him a lesson and, you know, trying to get rid of him and this way he doesn't come back. And while Sami Zayn is talking, none other than John Cena pops up on the Titantron. He's back. John Cena gets a huge pop and he interrupts Cena and Roman Reigns, uh, Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns, excuse me. And John Cena says that he got a text message from his good friend Kevin Owens reminding him that he has not wrestled one match in the year of 2022. And if he doesn't wrestle a match this year, it would be the first year in the last 20 years that we have gone without a John Cena match. So Kevin Owens, it, it is crazy to think about that. And so Kevin Owens said because of that, he's asking John Cena to be his partner against Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn. So John Cena says, let me get this straight. So, on the December 30th edition of SmackDown, the very last episode of, the, of, the, of 2022, you want me to wrestle a match <laughs> in order for me to keep my streak going. He's like, since I'm running out of the time to, to cash in on that, I'm going to accept your match. And he said something about, <laughs> I think he called himself Cena Claus or some shit like that. And he says, ho, ho, holy shit, to finish the fucking, to, to finish the promo. And, yeah, John Cena confirming that not only is he going to be back for the last episode of, the, of, the, of 2022, but he is Kevin Owens' partner for Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn. Oh, shit, man, that's a hell of a tag team match. Yeah, to go really, out. I had to see that. John Cena keeping his streak alive for 20 years. I heard something about his uh, schedule. He's going to be shooting a movie in Australia. Around the time WrestleMania of WrestleMania season. So I think this... Smackdown thing is like, I can come back now and do a, you know, high caliber match. And it's just like, all right. Him kind of trying to like, you know, give you something at least. Yeah, just not staying away fully and letting you letting us know, like, I haven't forgotten where I came from. Because it's, it's I'm not going to lie, it's, it's weird without Cena still. Even yeah. Even though Roman's doing his thing, it's like, damn, John Cena's been around since I was in eighth grade, and he's not there now. <laughs> when he's, when he, every time John Cena comes back, it's like, you don't want him to go. Yeah. You know, so. Kind of ironic, because the whole promo against The Rock, when they had their feud, was like, oh, look, you left for Hollywood, and Cena's doing the same thing, but he deserves that. Right. He, he Cena deserves a peacemaker and all the shit C- he's doing. Cena gave everybody a full run, and then some, and yeah. then left for Hollywood. He gave 
Cena's like a, he, he was two different generations. If Cena wanted to, he could never wrestle another match in his life, and he can go strictly to Hollywood and, and not do anything. For people wrestling. can bitch and moan all they want. Yeah, he owes nothing. Yeah, he gave you twenty years. <laughs> How many people can tell you that? Not many. Not many. Not at the level he did it at. You know. So yeah, we're getting John Cena teaming with Kevin Owens against Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn, the last episode of SmackDown of twenty twenty two. Definitely can't wait to see how that turns out. But, yeah, I mean, that just goes to show you, like, how big a deal that Sami Zayn is right now that they're putting in with John Cena and Roman Reigns in the same yeah. ring. Like, that's, that's... That's a fucking main event for SmackDown. Hell, yeah, it is. Definitely something I want to talk about. I can't even remember here. the last time I seen Cena wrestle on SmackDown. I think they were saying that it had been a couple years since um, since he has wrestled on SmackDown. And if, if, if he's can do this if he wants to do it like this but he shows up once or twice a year i'm fucking with that yeah we'll see though we'll see but um that was smackdown and one more thing i wanted to talk about i mean talk about somebody that can't say out of the damn news as, as far as wrestling goes vince mcmahon Vinny mac trying to make a comeback i hope not though yeah according to the wall street journal they reported that vince mcmahon might make a comeback and also mentioned that McMahon's decision to retire might have been from bad advice that he had, that he had listened to from uh, those close to him. And there's a quote. Vince McMahon also told people that he intends to make a comeback in WWE, saying he got bad advice from people close to him to step down and that he now believes the allegations and investigations would have blown over had he stayed. So think about that. He still is... Majority shareholder, is he not? It's basically still his company. He just can't have anything to do with on-screen and creative shit because of the board of directors because it's publicly traded now. So it's Right, because they were saying if he, if he was still private, he could walk back he, tomorrow. He could do whatever the fuck he wanted. He could have paid for fucking whoever's twat. And wow. nobody could have said shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, whatever NDA, he, he probably wouldn't even needed those. Yeah. If it was still his company. So I guess going the public fact kind that of bit him in the it's ass, publicly you know? traded is the reason why they had to do that PG bullshit. Yeah, exactly. If they never did that, we would have still been getting fucking ruthless aggression. Well, thankfully they're public. If, if there's ever if there's ever a good reason for them to be public, it's if, you know if it means keeping Vince McMahon away because there are even people saying, and I and I gotta believe, like how bad for morale would that be? It's it's been the morale has like. Completely improved, according to what, you know, all sources have been saying, all reports since Triple H has taken, you know, Triple H and Stephanie took over. And this is what, since July? In the summer? Late yeah, summer? I, I don't think it's, I, I, as much as I appreciate Vince McMahon and everything, you know, I, you know, bro, like, more than half my childhood comes from what he created. You Same know what here. Just. He ain't that guy anymore, though. You're not, you're not fucking Vinnie Mac that used to. Can, can I get one? Can I get a back body drop? My back body drop. <laughs> You're not that Vinnie Mac no more. Nicely done. Now you just just go. Do, let Triple H do what he's doing and just yeah, stay he, away. What he considers funny and, you know, it, It's not what good. we want. <laughs> you don't got it no more. Yeah, he hasn't had it for a while. And yeah, I just feel like, and not to mention, like, all the rehires. If Vince McMahon were to come back, what happens to them? Yeah, like, they're going to want to leave, or they're going to have to Is leave. their job even safe? Yeah, I don't know, just... What's stopping Vince McMahon coming in? All right, everybody at Triple H hired? You're all fired. Well, what stops him from doing that? 
Get the fuck out of my office. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Uh, I just hope he, I, I hope he doesn't come back. I appreciate what he created, but let let your daughter run it. Let Triple H run it. Leave that. That's what was always the plan, anyway. Here, so here's the good news, Bob. It's kind of See, fucked up that I got to say it. This, this, this I don't believe. I, I mean, I, I don't believe it, but I'm just not quick to say, oh, he did that. So I guess the good news as far as if you don't want Vince McMahon to come back and take control or even have a shot at it, a couple more allegations came out, of course. Allegations. Um, And the thing is, they're like, they say they're new allegations, but they're really not. So, reading here on, uh, I believe this is on Forbes.com, former WWE CEO Vince McMahon is facing new sexual assault allegations, um, as well as a demand for millions of dollars in damages from a previous accuser who worked as a WWE referee. Uh, the Wall Street Journal reported Tuesday that the latest allegations against McMahon as the company looks to move on from him. So... The former referee that is uh, that they're talking about is uh, Rita Ch- Rita Chatterton, and she's reportedly asking for eleven point seventy five million dollars in damages from McMahon. That exact number. Eleven point seventy five million. Oh. Um, who she accuses of raping her in a limousine back in nineteen eighty six, according to a letter from Chatterton's attorney to McMahon's representative Jerry McDivitt, obtained by the oh. Journal. Uh, Rita Chatterton, she was the first female referee in the company. She first came forward with the rape allegation in 1992 when the company was called WWF. Uh, No charges were ever brought against McMahon because the statute of limitations had lapsed. Now, the other allegation, apparently, that came out. uh, Another attorney representing a former spa manager also accused McMahon of assault at a California resort in 2011 in an email to Jerry McDivitt reported on by the journal. Vince McMahon, who's 77 years old, stepped down as the company's chairman uh, and CEO back in June amid amid an investigation into an alleged affair he had maintained with a 41-year-old paralegal. So yeah, Vince McMahon apparently, you know, looks like two other accusers want to get a cash grab at Vince McMahon while he's at it. And look, I'm with you. Obviously, these feel like cash grabs, especially the Rita Chatterton one. This is what, how many yeah, years Yeah, you've got an exact number of money you want. I mean... I, I don't know. But you know what? I will say, like, Vince... Did you see the documentary that came out about him? No, I haven't. Well, I can see Vince... Did you see it? I, I saw some clips of it. I can see Vince being a sexual, like, predator, kind of, because he was molested when he was a kid. I don't know if many yeah, that, people knew that. That doesn't surprise he, me. Like, Vince didn't meet his father until he was 12. Like, he, his childhood was fucked up. He had a rough life. So I can, I can see maybe him being that way with women. But, again, when these girls... And that doesn't excuse it. No, it doesn't at all. It doesn't excuse it. At all. It. just want to make, you know... But I'm saying, that, that. like, I could see that being I could definitely a reason why that. he's fucked up. I could definitely believe that. Not an excuse, but... You know, shit happens, but... Playing to be a womanizer. Oh, I, I want money for this. Like, oh. Yeah. I don't know. I, I definitely understand what you're saying. At the same time, as a wrestling fan, because I am a wrestling fan first, and sure, mainly, mostly doing part to Vince McMahon, but hey, 
I don't want to be, I don't want to say it, but I'm going to say it. Lex James, the more allegations, the better, bro. Yeah, all right, you said it for me. <laughs> he literally took the fucking words out of my mouth. I knew where you were going with it because you said it five times oh, and each time I was like, You yeah, said it, but up, it's bro. my thought. I'm still going to go to hell. But hey, whatever. As long as it keeps Vince away, Lex James is with this. Yeah, I hate to be that one, but... That's why, like, when I heard about the comeback, I'm like, come on, man. Are the board of directors really going to fucking let him come back? Like, do you honestly think that's going to be a good look? I felt a pit in my stomach when I read it. I was like, come on, are you serious? <laughs> back to this bullshit? Like, 24-7 title would have came back. Oh, yeah. There'd he be a came out with it. it on his shoulder. Like, I'm the 24-7 <laughs> title. If you want to take a shot at it, you got to get pinned in my office automatically. <laughs> I could just see him right before he leaves, you know, as the promo he's cutting, his return promo. Oh, yeah, this is now on the line. He just sets it in the middle of the ring, and then the jabroni circus just starts fucking running around for it once again. <laughs> we'll see Reggie. We'll see R-Truth. Yeah, fuck. We'll see Drew Gulak. You know, maybe Jeff Hardy will fucking make his way back. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I, ho- I hope he stays away, man. I- I'm not worried about it. I wasn't worried about it. That was before I heard about the two new allegations, well, the two new old allegations. But, again, they're not privately owned. Otherwise, he could come back tonight. Come yeah, back tomorrow. It, it won't look good for the company if they let him come back after all of this. No. At all. Not and, to mention... He, he should be smart enough to know that. I don't think he gives a fuck about that. Then again, it's his company. He doesn't right. What what him. I want to know though, <laughs> and I and it's funny because I guess I guess this is one time I'd be in agreement with Vince McMahon. I wonder if he feels the way I feel when watching Raw every time Johnny Gargano picks up a fucking microphone. He probably fucking ch- he changes the channel from his own creation. He probably fucking throws something at the TV. He got enough money to order a new one every week. Yeah. Johnny Gargano. I never want to hear him on the mic again. Yeah, I swear he's, to God. He's, he's, man, he, I don't even know what to say for him. Like, he has no charisma. He's a lampshade. You got, <laughs> you got to believe, like, that's one of the guys that Vince McMahon is pulling his fucking and hair out. And I say lampshade because the lampshades dim the light on the lamp, and he dims the fucking light in my brain when he comes on TV and talks, bro. <laughs> He's like a fucking straight up buffoon. He can wrestle, but he's such a fucking like ugh. Yeah, just no personality. None at all. They should script so, his promos for him. Seeing someone like that, like I can only imagine Vince McMahon is like the fuck are you doing? Beside himself. If uh, cause he you have to believe he watches. Yeah. This was his entire life. What else does he know? He must fucking lose it when he sees Gargano. <laughs> I mean, I wonder what he thinks of Austin Theory's kind of sort of push. He probably wasn't too happy about, you know, that failed cash-in either. Yeah. I like Austin Theory's new character, though. Yeah, same Better here. than the selfie guy. But you got to believe he's watching Johnny Gargano. It's like, I got to get back. That's what's, that's what's, that, mo- that, that's what's making him want to come back. I got to get this guy off TV. Oh, what are you paying Braun Strowman? And yeah, I'd like to know that too. <laughs> That's one guy you'd like to see Vince come back and fire. Yeah, first one, first order of business. Get fucking skinny jeans out of there. Have enough. Give you one even better. Have him win a twenty four seven title. 
No. Yeah. So that way he can get chased by the jerk off circus 24-7. All you got to do is see him in backstage for five minutes running by. Let him run out the door and lock the fucking door. <laughs> With a padlock. Anyway. Yeah, I'm, again, this whole Vince McMahon thing, I had to bring it up just because it's like, you know, I, <laughs> I could see Vince McMahon like come out at entrant number 30 in the Royal Rumble. And then Scrutiny. that means, yep, that means he's back. Then the next night on Raw, guess who's back? <laughs> Mr. Nick, uh, Mr. McMahon 2.0, he's a heel. You imagine that shit? Oh, he's just here to bury everybody yep. on camera. And then ratings dip, and then there's just no good wrestling to watch ever again. And then I cancel this fucking podcast because I'm just tired of talking about this shit. <laughs> and we're depressed again. And we just keep watching shit from 2002 and 1997. Yeah, thank God for old school archives on the hunt. Yeah. But anyway, guys, that's the show for today. Wanted to touch on NXT. Wanted to touch on the main topics of Mandy Rose's release and Vince McMahon planning a comeback, but getting a couple Could more you allegations just thrown like, his way. Because the allegations came out as soon as that report that he wanted to come back came out. Could you imagine if who's this, who's leaking all this? Who who's putting all these? Who's imagine all somebody out? sees that and says, "Nope, accuse him, keep him away." <laughs> Some guy like you, like fucking more allegations, the better. <sighs> Somebody's doing up. somebody's doing God's work. That's all I'll say. <laughs> but yeah, guys, if you don't already follow us on Instagram at the underscore wrestling underscore high, um, I can't imagine you're all thought it out. Yeah, I'm done. Mikey's done. Done so. I'm done. I guess we're done here. We are. So with that said, we'll see you next week. Let's make sure you follow us on Instagram, though. We'll catch you later, though.